Welcome to In Season, where we explore the connections between people and land, plants, and wildlife here on the North Oregon coast. I'm Teresa Retzloff, and I'm talking today about winter and what to do in the winter in our gardens here in this, you know, lower Columbia Pacific region. Um, it, it's a big area. There's lots of different microclimates. But at this time of year, what we're finding as we head towards winter solstice, we're heading into the darker months and things are slowing down. And you may have noticed that your plants really have started to shut down now. When our days fall below about 10 hours of daylight a day, that's a, a trigger for a lot of plants to just stop growing, to shut down. And it's they basically go to sleep until days start to get longer again. So in between, I would say about mid-November and mid-December, really until winter solstice, when the days start to get longer again after that point. And that usually happens late December, usually around the 21st or the 22nd, for this kind of mid-November to mid-December period, it's a time of rest. It's a time of quiet in the garden. And it can feel a little frantic if it feels like you didn't get a lot done or you need to do all this stuff. But it is okay to give yourself permission to just let things sit, let things rest. It's going to be okay if you don't get those things done right now. A lot of plants will be just fine if you let them sit if you don't cut them back, if you don't rake those leaves, if you just let it all hang out. And it also gives us as gardeners, as farmers, as people who interact with the land and take care of land to rest as well. And that is a really important thing to do. Winter is a great time to reflect on your garden, to think about how things went what went well, maybe what didn't go well, maybe think about what you want to change in the coming year. These are things that I really try to do this time of year. I mean, and a lot of this is do as I say, not as I do, because I try to be a good record keeper. But I will absolutely raise my hand and admit that I'm pretty appalling at keeping records. Um, it's, it's been sporadic over the years, but when I have kept records pretty consistently, I, I value being able to go back and look at the information that I've kept. And this can take a lot of different forms. And I think a lot of times we can read about how we should be keeping records, what records we should be keeping about our gardens. And you can see garden journals you know, from, from years ago, or maybe even someone you know who's a very avid garden journal keeper. And maybe they have maps of their garden and detailed notes about what's happening every week or every day and weather patterns and all kinds of stuff. And when did you seed this? And when did it germinate? And when did you plant it out? I will tell you, I have tried to keep those. I have so many notebooks all over our house that are started with the best of intentions every year. And round about March, April is when it all starts to fall apart. I look back and I'm like, oh, you know, it's really pretty consistent up until then. And then it just is a complete mess. And maybe I'll write down something every once in a while, but it's not consistent. And from year to year, it's not really giving me the kind of information that maybe I want. And, and that's also part of it is what do you want to know? What's helpful information to you? It might not be the same thing as what it is for someone else. So when we're thinking about keeping records in the garden, I will tell you one of the best tools that I have, and, and many of you probably have this tool in your pocket, is a smartphone. 
And it seems like a, a, a weird, silly thing. But what I started doing after a while when I realized that I just was not very good at writing things down in notebooks or, you know, typing things into spreadsheets, um, I take photos um, when I do things on the farm. I take a photo when I plant something. I take a photo when I start seeds. I take a picture of the tag. I take a picture of when things germinate. I take a picture of when I transplant something. I take a picture of when it starts to flower or when it starts to fruit when it sets seed, when my first harvest is. And all of these things over time, I have, I have a lot of photos. And, and, you know, you have to go back and edit them at some point because you don't need 10 million photos of a plant tag. But one or two, the convenient thing is it has a date on that photo and a time if you're into what time of day you did something. And it tells me, oh, you know, in 2023, I started my squash seeds on this date and the plants germinated on this date and I transplanted them on this date and this is when they started to flower and this is when they set fruit and I have a pattern and I can look back now over five or six years probably since I've been doing this consistently and just scroll through my photos and try and remember oh yeah that was the year that the spring was so cold and wet and nothing really I couldn't get anything planted until early June. And that's why everything was so late. Oh yeah, that was the year that we really had that hot, dry summer and things were really struggling and you know, thing, flowers were, weren't really flourishing and so I didn't get a really good fruit set on my tomatoes. You know, whatever it is, having a photo record can be great for us. And that's often all the information that you need because a picture really can say a thousand words. It can tell you, was it raining? Was it not? Was it sunny? Did it look hot? How did the plant look? Were the leaves looking stressed? Was there a flower? Was fruit there? Was the fruit sunburned? Was it healthy looking? Do you have a picture of an abundant harvest where you're smiling and you've got an armful of gorgeous veggies or flowers from your garden? Are you sitting down to a meal with friends that you cooked and it's everyone's happy? When was that? Was that in June or was it in August? And you can start to plan and remember these things and remember what went well. Remember, oh yeah, that tomato that I got from that person at the farmer's market or that I got at that nursery that I like. Here's the tag. I took a picture of the tag. So you don't have to try and keep track of all of those tags. You don't have to try and save them somewhere. You don't have to try and write it all down and then lose that notebook, which again, raise my hand, I've totally done that and then started a new notebook and then found the old notebook. And I, you know, if you are like a record keeper like me, I really have to encourage you to try, try the, the phone photo method of record keeping because it maybe isn't as romantic or beautiful as some of the old garden journals that I've seen where it's just gorgeous, you know, script handwriting of just dates and times and what was happening or little maps of a garden or anything like that. But you know what? It works and it gives me usable information that I can take this time of year in these winter weeks and months and use to make plans for the coming year. And that's one of the best things that record keeping can help us do in our gardens is to plan ahead and to think about what do we want to grow? What worked for us this year? What, what was successful? What didn't work? Do we have an idea of why it didn't work? It's hard to know sometimes um, why a certain plant failed 
But you can do some investigations, you can try and capture those memories, you can write down, oh yeah, I have this drip irrigation system, but you know what, it broke. And so this was the hottest day of the year and nothing was getting watered and I didn't realize that because I was away on vacation. And so my plants got really stressed and they dried out and then they just never really recovered from that. So instead of thinking, oh, that plant variety maybe doesn't do well in my garden, you can remember, oh no, remember that was, that was an accident. That was a, a failure of my irrigation system. And maybe that plant is gonna be great for my garden. I should give it another chance and just really make sure that my irrigation system is well maintained. This is where having memory in your garden, having a record, is helpful and it's going to help you plan. It's going to help you plan ahead. It's going to, over time, help you realize patterns of what's working in your garden too and what's not. And I think for me, over time, as I look back over this record of photos that I have now, of all of the different things that we've tried, on my farm over the years, it helps me remember, oh yeah, remember we used to do it that way. And then we learned this is a much better way to do it. And this was the year we learned that. And now I do it like this. And these things, there's a progression that we see how we learn, how we improve, how we change over time. And all of this is great information as you're building a relationship with a piece of land, whether it's you know, a four by four little tiny plot in front of your house or some pots on your windowsill or a two acre garden that you've just taken care of, you've just started to take care of and you don't know what to do with. Any of those little bits and pieces of interacting with nature, that's going to be a great resource for you. If you are a notebook writer, if you are someone who likes to draw pictures, if you are that person, that's fantastic. And I admire you and I encourage you to do that. And, um, and pictures and drawings can really help. I, I should say that I do sometimes draw maps. I do draw maps of what I planted where. And that really helps me if you're someone who is trying to do maybe a larger vegetable garden and you're trying to rotate your crops. It's really good to have just a, a record of what did you plant this last year? So then you know, oh, this was the bed that I grew my tomatoes in. So next year I want to plant my lettuce there. And then the year after that, that's where I'm going to put my leafy greens. And then the year after that, maybe that's where I'm going to plant my carrots. And you can rotate that way. And that is a good thing to have a record of. And sometimes that is just a good visual to have. Again, it could be a photograph, but sometimes just a little drawing of your garden and you know, you can just fill in, you know, 2020, I planted this, 2021, it was this, 2022, it was this. That's going to also really help you to remember because we don't want to rely on our own memories. <laughs> I mean, even if, you know, you're not in a dementia situation, I, you know, we forget things. We're human beings. We're fallible. And so any of these tools that we can use to help us with record keeping, um, these are good things too. If you're someone who loves to buy plants at the nursery, um, but then you don't always remember what that plant was, you know, a good thing to do when you plant it, and it, it, maybe take a picture of the plant, take a picture of the plant tag with the name on it together right there, and then hold on to that picture. And then you know, and you're not trying to remember, oh, what was that? 
lettuce that I really liked or what was that flower or that shrub? Maybe the tag's gone missing because they always do. You didn't save it. Maybe your dog pulled it out or your grandkid and ran away with it and threw it somewhere and now it's not next to the plant anymore and you don't remember what it is. So those are great ways to document those things. Maybe take pictures of the seed packet as you're sowing seeds. So you not only remember what the variety was, but remember the company that you bought it from. Because sometimes we don't remember if we don't have a record of it or you don't save your receipts. And then we're trying to remember this time of year back to January, February of last year and think about, well, where did I get that plant from? Where did I order those seeds from? Gosh, where was that? And it can sometimes be hard to remember. So anything that can help you jog your memory, help you keep a record. At the time, it may seem silly to be doing it, but anything that can just be a quick, here's, here's where all my plant tags go, or here's a quick photo of this, or here's a notebook that I jot down this information in. Those are all going to be things that this time of year, when it's pouring down rain outside and it's cold and it's not a good day for working in the garden, that's when we can gather all that information together and sit down in a cozy spot, make yourself your favorite warm beverage and get out all your seed catalogs or your maps of your garden, you know, whatever it is that you need to help you plan and think about what do I want to order this year? What, what tools do I, did I lose this year? Or what do I maybe need to invest in this year? I love a new garden rake, or I love a new trowel, or I really need a new pair of hand pruners because those ones, I, I accidentally buried them in my compost pile. And when I dug them up, they were completely rusted shut and they don't work anymore. And yes, that's happened to me. So, you know, also these are things that, uh, you know, it's good to, to be thinking about what am I going to need for next year to make this work better for me. It's also a great time of year, the end of the year, there's a lot of winter festivals that are happening, holiday times, people are giving gifts and often, you know, as a gardener, there might be some things that would be really helpful to you that you might really love and someone you love might want to be wanting to buy you a present and not know what to get you. So if you can really specifically say, I'd love a new garden rake and it should look like this, or I'd love a new hand trowel, or I'd love, you know, a holster to put my garden shears in. That would be so handy. Maybe one just like this that this company sells. Those are great things to tell the people in our lives so that they know what would be helpful to us. Because sometimes, um, how about you? But as a person who has gardened for most of my adult life, I have been known as a gardener, as a farmer for many, many years to, to everyone in my life. And I have been given an awful lot of gifts over the years that are garden specific, garden related. And I have to tell you, not all of them have been useful. <laughs> you know, I think people who don't garden often don't know what to get for someone who does garden and there's absolutely no shame in asking and there's no shame in telling someone specifically this is the tool that I love not this one so again good winter projects you know good things to communicate with people in your life about good things to be thinking about tool maintenance and care is also something that we often don't have time to work on 
during the busy months when we're really using our garden tools a lot. But it's a great winter project for downtime, for time when, again, it's maybe too rainy or too wet or too cold to be working outside in the garden. But it's a really good time to take stock of your tools and do some cleanup. Make sure that you know, you've, you've washed all the dirt off your digging forks or your spades or shovels. You can oil those. You can, if you have wooden handled tools, you can sand those handles down and rub in a nice um, moisturizing oil, like linseed oil is a real traditional one to use. And um, that can help preserve the wood and help keep it supple and moist and so that it doesn't crack or become brittle. And it's going to help that handle to last for many more years than if you don't treat it. It's a good time to think about maybe treating your pruners, um, sharpening them. Certainly, we often are pretty hard on our cutting tools during the year. And it's a good time to look at those blades and see, do they need to be sharpened? I'm going to guess that they probably do. Some pruners, both bigger loppers and small hand pruners, have um, the ability to replace a pruning blade. So if your blade has become really damaged, if you can see nicks or cuts in that blade that look like you can't really sharpen them out, it might be time to replace that blade if that's an option, if it's not too damaged. If it isn't, and it just maybe looks like it needs a little bit of sharpening, there are definitely tools out there to help you sharpen your tools properly. I mean, it's something certainly there's just countless you know, videos online that can show you how to take care of tools and how to sharpen tools. I don't know about you, but I'm not the most confident tool sharpener. It's not something that I've, I've never really been very good at getting a, a clean, sharp edge on a tool. I just, I don't know, I just don't have that eye, that skill, the angle that you hold the, the file at. Some people can really do that, and I have so much admiration for them. If you have a friend who's a good tool sharpener, maybe try to do a barter with them. You know, maybe they, there's something that you can do for them that they aren't very good at. Maybe it's bake them a big thing of cookies or make them a pot of soup or offer to come over and rake leaves in their yard or do something for them. And in exchange, they're going to sharpen your tools for you. That's a fantastic exchange. And I definitely need to figure some situation like that out for myself. But I have also found that there are tools that are kind of, you know, kind of idiot proof pruner sharpeners. They, they hold the sharpening thing at an angle and you can kind of hook it onto your pruners and then do the sharpening and it's held at an angle that's a, that will create a good bevel for your tool. And they, you know, it, it's probably not as good as if you're a really good tool sharpener and you can do that edge with a flat blade. But you know what? I found that tools like that, that have a little bit of assistance for you that help maintain the, the honing edge at a certain angle, they're fine and they can help and they can give you a bit more to work with. It can maybe get a bit more life out of that tool. And, you know, if you don't know somebody who can sharpen your tools or care for them for you, um, and it's not a skill that you feel confident doing, I think just even a little bit of something like that, look into maybe getting one of those tool sharpeners, you know, or things that can help you with a, with a blade, because having a sharp tool, having a clean, well-maintained sharp tool 
these are things that make working in the garden so much easier. If any, if you've ever tried to, to prune something, especially a woody shrub with a pair of loppers or hand pruners that are dull, oof, you know, you're just chewing through the wood. It's not good for the plant. It's not good for your hand or your arms, you know, and ultimately that's not the way to do it. So good tool maintenance is a really smart thing to do if um, you like working in the garden. And again, it's hard to do that in the busy months. It's hard to just sit there and take care of your tools when you're so busy, maybe you're working full time and you've only got a little bit of time to work in your garden. It's, you know, in the height of summer, you're doing so many other things. But right now, there's not a lot of work to do in the garden. Things are quieter. And so this is another thing. Work on your record keeping. Think about what you're going to plant and order for next year. Think about your tools. Do an assessment. Find a good way to, a good place to store them for the winter so that they're dry and out of the weather. And do a little tool maintenance. And you'll be so happy come spring when you're taking those tools out and they're in great shape and they're ready to go. And um, you're not having to figure out ah, you know, I need a new blade and I've got to do this pruning today. So just trust me on this one. It's going to be time really well spent. Another really, I think, um, useful thing to think about this time of year in these winter months when things are slower, it's not a good time to dig in the garden, but it is a great time to start building beds if you know that you want to build some new garden beds or even maybe revitalize some beds that have become pretty stale or maybe a bit overgrown or there's an area of your garden that's just gotten kind of weedy and you'd really like to just plant a new bed there. I'm a real proponent of, of lazy gardening, <laughs> lazy digging, lazy bed preparation, especially as I've gotten older and, you know, my body is not as strong as it used to be. And I'm not able to do a lot of the digging and weeding and tilling that I used to do when I was younger. I love deciding this is where a new bed is going to go. And I'm going to mark it out. And that's where it's going to be. And I'm going to go and get a whole bunch of cardboard. And I'm going to pull all the plastic tape off the cardboard. And I'm going to lay out a nice thick layer of cardboard. And then on top of that, I'm going to put down some nice big pieces of wood it could be scrap wood, it could be scrap lumber, it could be branches from a tree that got cut down, it could be whatever. As long as it's not pressure treated wood or painted wood or um, wood from a tree that's like a black walnut or things like that. That th There's some trees that are just, um, they have chemicals in them that are repellent to other plants, to plant growth. And those are not great great trees or great wood or wood chips to use in building garden beds. But as long as it's just branches from an alder or a spruce or whatever, an apple tree that maybe fell down or you had to, you know, cut a big branch off it because it was really precarious, chop that up into some smaller pieces, use that to hold down the cardboard. You can pile on wood chips, bark, you can pile on leaves. This is a great time of year to be collecting leaves. So many people have way more leaves in their garden then they know what to do with and they're trying to get rid of them. And even though I'm a huge proponent of leave the leaves, please leave some leaves in your garden on the ground 
as habitat for overwintering insects because it's really, really important. But a lot of times, even then, there's maybe leaves all over your driveway. It's making it slippery and dangerous and you want to get rid of all of those leaves. Those are fantastic mulch. They are a great way to start a new bed. So pile those leaves on on top of your cardboard. Pile on compost if you've been making it. Worm castings if you keep a worm box. Other um, garden clippings if you have been pruning things or, or you do start to chop stuff up um, in the you know, late winter into early spring. Or um, coffee grounds. I've built beds with, with huge amounts of coffee grounds. I used to go to, to coffee shops in town and ask for their, they usually just toss all of the empty coffee filters and stuff and little pucks of espresso into buckets. And then they're trying to get rid of that. It's trash for them. But you can take that and spread that out and that will break down. And um, it's, people have mixed um, thoughts about coffee grounds. Um, It can be pretty acidic and our soil is already pretty acidic. So it's definitely something where if you're using a lot of coffee grounds to build a bed, you might also want to um, spread out some lime on top of that bed to kind of counteract the acidity of the coffee grounds. But I will say, you know, I have had great luck with using coffee grounds in the garden and they break down beautifully. They make gorgeous, rich soil. Worms seem to really love them. And so I think it's a great way to um, make use of something that's you know, for a lot of people, it's just a waste product or it's trash. You know, even if you're just going around to all your friends and saying, hey, if you make a pot of coffee in the morning, can you save your coffee grounds? I'm going to give you a five gallon bucket and you've got three or four friends and they're all saving their coffee grounds. That's going to build up over time. And that's going to be a really useful thing for you to then use to build these beds. You can cover it with a tarp if you want to, or you can just leave it open to be getting rained on and that all that organic matter is slowly going to break down slowly going to break down. If it's a thick enough layer, it's going to also kill the grass underneath it or kill whatever what is underneath it. And over time, by next spring, you're going to have something that's going to be potentially okay to start planting into. You might need to add some compost. You might need to add you know, some potting soil. You might need to amend. You probably will. Um, but it can start to become something that's breaking down and turning into a bed that you can plant whatever it is that you were wanting to plant in. And what you're going to be planting in there are the things that you've been thinking about as you've been doing your planning. You're looking back through your record keeping. You're thinking about that list of plants that, you know, you read about, oh, I really want to add this azalea to my garden or this new shrub or this beautiful rose bush or this dahlia or this is where I want to plant vegetables this year. I've not done that before and I really want to have a little vegetable garden. That can be a great thing to start this time of year. And then it's just kind of passive. It's doing its thing. It's just sitting there and slowly breaking down. But if you start it now at the beginning of winter, by the time spring rolls around, you're going to be in pretty good shape. It might not be a perfect garden bed for planting in, but you're going to be much further along than if you try and start building that bed in April. So these are great things to think about in the winter months. This is a downtime for us in the garden. It's a slower time of year, but it's also incredibly productive. Um, All the things that are going on under the soil, all the things that are happening as plants rest, and all the things that are happening when we as gardeners give ourselves time to rest and reflect and think 
and make plans. This is the, the gift that winter gives us. And it's a great time to go for long walks outside, listen to the birds, look at the beauty of the trees without leaves on them, think about all of the good things that we have in our lives and, and how lucky we are to live in this truly beautiful region of the world, this, this amazing part of the planet that we are on. And um, I feel so grateful to be here. I'm really glad that you're part of our community. I'm glad that we get to share these stories about land and gardening and growing and thinking about plants and wildlife and how we interact with them here on In Season. I know it's, it's time that I really value and I thank you so much for spending this time with me here on KMUN and um, I hope that you have a wonderful winter and I look forward to further conversations with you in the coming months as we start to wake up our gardens and think about a new growing season. Thanks so much for joining me today and we'll talk to you soon.